listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Caposa, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of She Rises Video. How are you guys doing? I'm really excited about this brand new format because it helps us reach more people. And frankly, sometimes you just want to watch a video, right? So if you're listening in your car, awesome. Keep doing that. If you're not, so happy you're here. Today on the show, I have an amazing couple. Chris, Marie, and Susan have been doing work with relationships and in particular with conflict for many, many years. Now I'm going to read you a little bit of their bio before we jump into the show. Chris, Marie Campbell and Susan Clark are the co-founders of Thrive Inc. They've spent 20 years helping men, women, couples, and teams to resolve difficult conflicts and create strong, thriving relationships. They've written two books, The Beauty of Conflict and The Beauty of Conflict for Couples. They've given presentations on conflict resolution, communication, teamwork, and creative problem solving at Fortune 100 companies like Johnson & Johnson, Microsoft, AT&T, and Nationwide, as well as at organizations like the Gates Foundation, University of Washington Medical Center, and San Francisco Giants, and many, many others. And they're here. They're on the show. <laughs> they also run transformational retreats for couples several times a year, including Couples Mojo and Couples Alive. They live and work in Northwest Montana, and you can find them on Facebook and Instagram under Thrive Inc. I'm so happy they're on the show today. I wanted to read you their bio because it was just so chock-a-block um, full of the impact they're creating in the world. And I'm really excited that they're here sharing a bit of their wisdom with us today because often conflicts are something we run away from right? Especially in relationships, they're hard. It's really difficult to have those difficult conversations. And they're here today to teach us the beauty of embracing conflict and knowing how to go through it. So I'm really excited to have them here. Welcome to the show. Chris, Marie, and Susan, welcome Hi, to She Rises. We are excited to be here. I'm Chris Marie. And I'm Susan. Yes. I, thank you. Thank you. I love that you're sitting, well, for, in my visual, it's you're sitting in your respective uh, <laughs> <laughs> name Good. slot so that I can, you know, make sure I get which one. And um, I'm going to fill the audience in on a little secret. This is like our take two. It is. <laughs> we did this last year and then the cyber gremlins ate it. I don't know what happened. So, hey, we're back again. Okay. And, and excited for a 2020 episode. Why yes. Not, you know? Yes. I'm really excited. You know, I, I did an episode earlier this year. Um, it's the first episode of the year of the whole, like, you know, we go into this, uh, this, um, the new year, the new you, and there's so much pressure to like be amazing. Cause it's a new yeah. year. And I, I just, I did this episode where I'm just like, let people off the hook. Like if you don't feel that yet, just, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let go of the pressure. Yes. Yeah, let go of the pressure. So we're here today to talk about your body of work and your books. Um, and I did a little intro so the audience knows the book titles. But I, And I want to just dive right into the topic because I think it's so, so important that we learn how to deal with conflict in mm -hmm. general and 
very timely at this unfortunate events that are happening in the world today. <laughs> but interpersonally, right? Like it's we I know I for much of my life avoided conflict. I was it's scary. I don't know how to talk about my feelings. I used to get really like flummoxed and really upset when I was um, I had feelings to share and or there was conflict. I didn't know what to do. And you guys have this beautiful gift of sharing with us why approaching conflict, embracing conflict is so healthy for relationships. So whichever one of you wants to take that first. <laughs> I will. This is Chris Murray. I'll take it first. Because um, I think many people are afraid of conflict. And because we weren't trained in it, we didn't have good role models, most of us. And so we work to manage, diffuse, avoid it. And for my, I just ask people to think about what you learned about conflict growing up. And for me, it was a scary, scary time sitting around the dinner table because my dad, I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. He was an army colonel. It was you know, you try, I just went into pleasing mode, trying to say things right, became achiever, all to diffuse the energy that would come up. So I was a master conflict avoider. I mean, even when I got into consulting at the beginning of my career, what, what was good about that is I could bring other people along, but I would leave myself out. I wouldn't share my own opinion because if I, if I shared my opinion and I worried it was going to hurt your feelings. You were going to be distant from me. I'd be like, okay, never mind. I'll just swallow what I think so we can stay close. Yeah. So in our book, we talk about the me, which is myself and the we. And I would certainly sacrifice the me in order to maintain the we, the relationship. And so learning how, when I got involved with Susan, it was so different. She was like, I want to hear your opinion. And I was like, oh, you know, my eyes are, <laughs> I'm scared. But what happened as I slowly started to believe that and, and speak up, we would come up in our business with different results in our relationship because we're married and we work together. We would come up with such, it wasn't her idea or my idea, but something new would emerge. And I, that happened enough times that I started to think, okay, there is something too hanging in for this, this different opinion and being willing to tolerate the tension rather than just opting out of it to try to make things smooth. Yeah. I like that you said tolerating the tension. Um, cause it's like when you, you move past, like it's, it's such a, it's such a meme, right? Like you have to go through it, you know, you can't, but it's true. Like when you can just go through the tension and, and just be with it, it's not as scary as you thought that it might be and, and beautiful mm -hmm. things come of it. So Susan, what's your experience of, of that in your relationship? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll start off by saying first that for me, I, I'm, I kind of come at things probably a little the opposite in the sense that in my family, it wasn't, there were a lot of things that were not being talked about. So silence and nice and polite actually for me are big danger signals because wow. in, in my world, it, it, there was a lot of stuff that was going on background that no one was talking about. It was pretty horrific and pretty violent and scary and all sorts of things, but no one ever talked about it because it was a, in my community, it was a very highly charismatic leader that nobody ever wanted to say did anything wrong, but he was doing a lot of things wrong. And so, um, I, I swallowed all that as a kid. Cause I got, I was a kid who everyone always told me, you have such an imagination. And I'd be like, 
or you have an anger problem. It's like, I'm angry because something really bad is happening, but nobody's <laughs> talking about it. So I, you know, and it wasn't until I got cancer in my twenties, which would seem like um, that would have been the worst thing. But in some respects, the cancer brought to life for me that I needed to speak up. And when I did speak up and started to talk about stuff that was happening, uh, shattered my family, my community. But at the same time, I started to get my health back. And so I realized, oh, that silence, that quiet, I'm going to um, not talk about this was actually killing me. And so I had to sort of change my belief. I actually came to believe that surfacing the conflict was what brought me back to a place of having a chance at getting my health back. And so I often think, you know, I'm way more comfortable when there's conflict than when there's not. When it's nice and polite, I'm kind of edgy because I'm like, I'm pretty sure something isn't. I've actually had to start right. to trust that not everybody is my past. So, <laughs> you know, there are really nice and polite people out there. But I still, that's probably a, a more of a danger zone for me than what may present as loud, tense moments because then it's like something's out there. I believe that. So, it's kind of yeah that's interesting you're both coming from different experiences as we all are yes and <laughs> and yet there's still this flavor of you know sameness in there that it's like avoiding avoiding the conflict right and so someone was avoiding the conflict susan on your end and they didn't want to bring it up and you had to learn right. that and and then you were in the conflict right i grew up more like in the conflict like i was in the trenches with you susan um, <laughs> or, um but yeah so i um it, yeah it was it was interesting hearing you speak and i i just had the the pleasure of interviewing gay and katie Hendricks, and we talked about voicing the thing you don't want to say yes, right yes. and we're so afraid that that's going to cause the conflict like if i tell my partner that I'm afraid of something or that I'm upset about something that might, you know, rock the boat. And mm -hmm. the funny thing is, is like you rock the boat anyway, because <laughs> then you're just suppressing all your crap, right? Exactly. I know exactly. It's, it's kind of like the conflict we have inside. It's either going to be inside or outside. But as soon as I love what Gay says, it's that 10 minute sweaty palm conversation <laughs> you don't want to have. <laughs> yeah. That's one of his phrases in his book, The Big Leap. And I, I so agree with that. Like if you can get it out, you're going to feel relief. Even if that over there is rocking now, you're more aligned and have more resource, mm -hmm. the fact that you've said that. But you know, when we are trained in our systems, our little nervous systems go, no, danger, danger, don't say that. So we really have to train at a, and this is part of the work we do with uh, clients, is helping them reprogram their nervous system to discharge that fear in order to be able to speak up. Because it's one thing, to, oh, just say it. But when it's in <laughs> danger, danger, yeah it's hard for me to get that out. So how do you, Chris Marie, how do you do that? Like how to, for people watching and listening, you know, and maybe their conflict is in their relationship. Maybe it's in, at work and it, maybe it's just everything. How do we get, because there's, there's such a, an innate, like you said, um, adrenaline, you know, response, like that part of your, the fear, fight, flight or fear, freeze part of your brain kicks up. How do you get your amygdala to like calm down when yeah. you're, when everything in you is like, oh, you know? Right. We talk about this in the Beauty of Conflict for Couples. We have a little session, uh, uh, chapter on how to um, reduce 
calm yourself in the midst of conflict. And one of the main things, and I had to, you know, you need to cultivate the skill so it can come work for you in the moment, but is really staying embodied. Because when we're afraid, we're kind of up and out, at least I am, up and out of myself. Yep. And so to bring my energy back down to my seat and my feet, and that can be wiggling my toes, wiggling my bum, and recognize, hey, I'm in this body. And there's even um, a sense of, uh, checking around and am I like turning your head because when we get scared our vision gets narrowed yes. and it's like I can't move I can't move and actually if you just move your head slowly and expand it 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 vibrates that vagus nerve which is our rest and digest nerve that helps settle the system and ask am I physically safe right here right now because that's what our amygdala is saying you're not physically safe even though it's only another person who's Sometimes it's a physical threat, and if so, do run if you're worried about that. But most times it's a meeting or a you know conversation over where we're going on vacation, and we have very different you know. Or somebody is angry, but that doesn't mean they're violent. So yeah. you have to really be able to separate these things are different. Because so often in growing up, anger was velcro to violence, and we really think they're two different things. Like anger is a really healthy emotion for us to know and get in touch with, but violence is a crossing of another's boundaries, whether it's physical, hurting myself, you, or, another, or physical property. And we have those Velcro together. So learning the differences with that and learning how to even access your own anger, which many of us, especially women, have repressed. <laughs> so we work on those. Um, there's a few other things like vooing, which is a Peter Levine thing to, again, yes. uh, vibrate the vagus nerve. Yeah. yeah. But, and, you know, I think one of the things that we talk about a lot is that breath work, like a lot of people do, mindfulness is great. I, I truly am a believer, yoga, meditation, all good things. But all too often, that is a settling breath. And it's a breath that gets you more centered, which is a good thing. But sometimes you actually need to drop this jaw open and breathe through an open mouth and risk the discomfort. Like, and actually, there's the parasympathetic breath which is that long slow i'm going to rest and digest and sometimes you need to actually bring it up to the sympathetic breath which is more a high charge breath because like up in the chest <sighs> yeah because that's when you can actually access where am i holding where am i tight and so many times that is generally uncomfortable for people because one they don't like to breathe through an open mouth but this is one of our tightest muscles and if we yes. don't do something to loosen it, we're not going to find our voice. You know? yep. And we need to be able to be aware of where we're tight and holding and have a place where we can handle our own emotions. Even if we're really, really rageful, really sad, we don't have to do anything with those, but we do need to learn how to feel them. And, and this, this jaw is also tied to our pelvis. And so that's the seat of our power and mm -hmm. our creativity. And so linking the two and opening really accesses more energy for the individual inside more of them and learning how to learning then how to uh one identify and feel your feelings and then work with them which yeah. you know what we weren't taught when we were growing no. up no we weren't taught i mean most of us were just taught reactivity i love that you went there with peter levine's work and the vooing and and the orienting that's a part of somatic experiencing right, right. and so i that was such a gift for me to learn that because i am someone who's in my head a lot there's a lot of activity going on up here all the time, right? Um, and there's conflicts going on up here that never yeah. really get out here or like into my heart space, right? So um, yeah, I love that orienting yourself, making sure you're back in your body because otherwise we are just reacti reacting messes 
mm-hmm. and or we're suppressing and making ourselves sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what happens. And it, it's interesting, like you're, what you're talking about, I hear you're talking about here is really like, like a trauma informed way of dealing with conflict and really mm-hmm. addressing your nervous system first. Um, so what do we do next? So I'm, I've, I've vooed maybe I've like, I've, I'm noticing right now my jaw is like tight okay. or whatever. <laughs> I used to, um, I used to do a lot of intimacy workshops and my teacher used to always, I would go to share in class and she'd be like, wow, she'd do what I need. So I can feel it now a little bit. Um, just talking to you guys, but okay. So what do we do next? So we've, we've oriented, maybe we've gotten back into our body. Um, I'm, I'm still feeling the feels and maybe I'm bringing myself down out of threat. Mm-hmm. And then what? Then the piece, and I had to learn this, um, is rather than talking about what the other person is doing, is actually become more vulnerable and one, getting in touch with through that process of what's going on inside of me and then reporting that. Like, I'm uncomfortable. I'm scaring myself or... um, Or I'm angry. Yeah, or I'm angry. I am upset. And, you know, I, I think sometimes when you were saying... I think the acknowledgement of what's going on inside of me too often comes out as what are you doing wrong? And that's why it's a problem. But if I just said, no, right now I am a red hot mess and I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk to you, but cause I'm angry, but if I'm still just, I'm going to start there and then now I'm going to, I'm taking responsibility for what I'm feeling. And then I could sort of breathe and say how, you know, go next to what I can say. But if I don't actually, if I try to be, pretend I'm not that upset, that comes across as like, wait a minute, this is not. Well, it's another, it's not congruent and it's another form of suppression. So as soon as I do acknowledge I'm angry or I'm frustrated or I feel hurt or betrayed, whatever Mm -hmm. that is, stories going on or energy, that then creates space for something new to emerge. Or even I'm not, I'm not curious about you right now. As soon as I acknowledge that, then that opens the door for me to become curious, possibly. I'm not saying it's an, a guarantee, but if I just pretend I'm curious and I'm really not, yeah. I, that's just kind of like, oh. I mean, right. too often. Passive aggressive, aggressiveness that happens yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, too often with couples, I mean, having done a lot of years of work with couples, you know, I'll hear the line, you know, we both get defensive. <laughs> and that is actually oh, like. Oh, I was just going to go there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it's like, oh, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, that that really is not helpful. Like to tell your partner, you know, we're both defensive. Neither of us is curious. And it's like, no, if you just said, I am defensive, period. Stop the train. Stop there. Yes, stop there. I don't know if you are or not. I'm, I don't, because I'm so defensive, I may not even be aware of whether you are. I mean, that really even aligns with gay and, uh, you know, uh, saying, you know, taking 100% responsibility, like you are owning, this is what's going on for me in this interaction. Yeah. I'm not going to try to- I want to talk about that. I want to talk about defensiveness because this is like, okay, I got to fully transparently share. So I'm sorry, honey, if my my boyfriend's watching. Okay. So this is total rookie mistake, right? I got so charged up about something a few weeks back. I don't even remember what what it was or when it was. But I was so upset. And I, and he just went about his day. Like, nothing was wrong. Like, to him, it was all fine. And I got so charged up about something. And when I went to communicate that I was having the feels, it came out as blame. 
And a rookie mistake, I didn't even realize that I had done it until like my nervous system had calmed down. I had enough of a, and God bless him for his patience, but he, you know, he just, and, and I kept saying, you're getting defensive, you're getting defensive and you're not listening to me. And really he was getting defensive and I didn't, didn't dawn on me until I calmed down because I was blaming Yeah. until yeah. I got to the point where I said, oh, if I had said, I'm, I'm really angry right now. And the situation brought up these feelings. How would you have reacted? And then he explained how he would have reacted. And I thought, oh, okay, well that would have just solved everything. Right. And so, but I, <laughs> so, but I, I am curious about defensiveness because it is one of the, you know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse in relationships is when someone keeps getting defensive all the time. Like, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with your own and then someone else's defensiveness? Go ahead. Well, I, um, the first thing is, I, you know, I have to realize that I, we all get defensive. I mean, and I often will say this to a couple, you know, when someone says to me, I don't want to be controlling in our relationship. I'm like, well, you're not going to be human then. So just give me that. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, we are, we are, we are control people. So if the more that I can begin to be curious about it, instead of judgmental of either, and that's, that's even curious about my defensiveness, like to not make it wrong. This is actually even why I don't know that I, I don't like it when people say, you know, you need to deal with your reactivity. It's like, because too often that means you're supposed to get rid of it and you're wrong right. and or fix yourself. Something's wrong with you. Yes. Yeah. And I am more like, you don't have to get rid of reactivity. That's actually a healthy thing too. It's a, you know, natural thing to, for protection. You need to get curious about it. And so don't, you know, become genuinely interested in your own defensiveness. And then you have a chance to kind of make a choice. So you don't get the choice to be responsive unless you fully understand and can recognize your defensiveness and have some compassion for yourself because most of us learned our defenses because we didn't know how to protect ourselves. So if we take responsibility for that compassion, then we're not projecting it onto the other person to say, you need to love me for this too. <laughs> you know, Because the whole reason why I'm saying that is because I don't love me. For it. So <laughs> if someone else could tell me this kind of hot mess that I am is okay, then I might. But that doesn't work. So it really is coming to terms with your own demons first, like really, and not making, not trying to get rid of them. But this is a part of who I am. And I don't, I don't have to let it drive the bus. You know, it's on, the, it can take, a, it's here. It, and we are, we are proponents of, you know, and each couple has to figure this out in your yeah. relationship. How do you tolerate those moments when one is defensive or even blaming? Like sometimes I, um, and we talk about this in the Beauty of Conflict for Couples about how to do what we call a Vesuvius, which is like a two minute rain. <laughs> That's how I gonna, felt. <laughs> yes, exactly. And actually, if, if you ask permission and have a boundary, like, you know, they can say stop. But if I can say, you know, right now, I just want to blame you. I, because I can't get to that responsible place. And I'm, you know, trauma happened in relationship. It can heal in relationship. That's why we do relational work. Yeah. And so if I can say, let me blame, let me have my tantrum. Cause I'm feeling like <laughs> a little kid. And then once that energy is moved, then I can, you know, if she reflects back, I get it. You feel really hurt or betrayed or whatever. And I can, and then I can start taking back, well, this is how I participated in it. So it's not like you can jump over that. A lot of people want to just jump over that and be right. responsible versus going through the reaction and, and having compassion for yourself and right. your partner for that. Yeah. I mean, and, and I call, I mean, it's, it, I call that a spiritual bypass where you're just trying to be yeah. all like, 
there. Okay. Oh. Yes. No, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna show you my ugly because it's like not, yeah. And it was, and it was just, and it was, it was funny after I had my Vesuvius, which is funny, I have a chunk of Vesuvius behind me, like a literally a piece of lunch. <laughs> so maybe I should put that further away. But after I had that moment, you know, I had some clarity. And then, you know, I, you know, I just dropped into like, I, I felt shame the next day. I was like, oh my God, honey, I'm so sorry. I, I just, I just apologize. And he's like, don't worry. It was, it's like, it was fine. Like not a big deal. And then it wasn't until two days later that it dawned on me why I reacted. And of course mm -hmm. it had nothing to do with him. It was literally like something my dad used to do when I was a kid that I didn't even know was there in the unconscious. And he was yeah. so-called mimicking it at that moment. And then I was like, Oh, but you really do have to calm your whole nervous system down to deal with conflict. Otherwise you're like launching rockets literally. <laughs> and yeah. Or running. Well, <laughs> running away running. from them. You know? <laughs> yes. And, and building, I think what we try to do in our process is try to create some boundaries that contain, like we have a tool called the 555. If you're, if you have a hot topic that you regularly get into conflict where it's person A talks for five minutes about the topic, let's say money. And then person B talks about it for five minutes and the other one's just listening. And then the last five minutes you have a dialogue. And that's a great way to get out some of your thinking. How are you processing? I'm not mm -hmm. sure about this. And then checking out at the last five minutes is a way through some of that, those rougher topics. Now, the key is not to think you're going to resolve it in a 555. Yeah. You're kind of mining it in the 555 to understand what is going on for me. So that's another, another way through some of these big nuggets. It's, of, it's also really important to not, even if it seems to be going well after five, five, not to go to 45. Like to really honor. So, you know. That's a common mistake that happens. Susan, what are you trying to say? Are you, do you, are you in on my MO here? Like, well, it's just, you know, even when we're doing in-person retreat experiences and working with couples, you know, we often say to them, you know, practice this. And because they're there, they really want to practice. And we're like, no, you still need to honor this five by five because that's actually the way you develop the ability to hang in. And usually one person wants much more and the other person really needs to know this is only going to take 15 minutes and then I can let it go. And <laughs> we can go on to something yeah. else. And I'm, I'm <laughs> laughing because my, 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 my boyfriend's going to probably edit this video and, and he's going to be like, see, honey, we should talk less. He's <laughs> like, Okay, are we are we done with this now? Like, are is are like is are we good? And I'm like, no. I'm not. <laughs> well, we always talk about how it's kind of like around the house. No, I'm not done. So the other person's walking away. The other person's chasing them to a different room. So I still think we need to finish this up. However, I will say, you know, it's not that we are supporting that you. This is all you ever need to do to communicate. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we are in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can come back another day or another week to kind of, and you'll be surprised how much is percolated inside of your, you, the next time you do a five, five, five on that same topic. Because generally speaking, there are topics that couples do not talk about well at all. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to have, you might have a great 
um, money conversation because you're in a crisis. It probably won't go particularly well, but you know, you'll have it. Mm -hmm. And, but really it's not unless you start learning to talk about money, something that's uncomfortable on a regular basis that you develop, develop that tolerance. And then it's much easier to go deeper. And so, you know, it's like, okay, it's actually really, once you realize this is, a, this is a safe way. There are boundaries for the person who, like Chris Marie doesn't like to be interrupted. So she really likes her five minutes. I personally don't like it to be over 15 minutes when we're talking, you know, and then I like to take a break, go rebuild my resources and come back. And so we do have agreements about how we're going to come back. You know, it's not like you can say, no, we're never going to talk about this for 10 days. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to talk once a day or whatever that is. Make an agreement with, the, with your person about what works yeah. for you. <clears throat> How do you get a partner who is averse to doing this work to, to work with you? So for example, if someone's particularly avoidant of conflict or the difficult conversation and, and you know, maybe you're playing around with some of this stuff and you're, you're getting more comfortable with it and your partner is just resistant. They're just not wanting to have the five, five, five. They're just like, no, we're fine. Everything's, you know, how do you deal with that? Um, I'll answer first. Sure. Um, cause one of the things is, um, letting the, like anytime our partner doesn't want to do something that we want to do, whether it's this communication stuff or whatever, there's an impact to the level of intimacy that we're experiencing. And so we always talk about intimacy is not always about being close, but actually sharing your location. Like if I'm distant, that's it for me to share. I'm distant right now is me being intimate because I'm, we talk about intimacy being into me, see, mm -hmm. so I'm sharing where I'm at relative to you. And so if Susan didn't want to do a five, never wanted to talk about money. After a while, I would probably say, you know, I'm feeling distant because this is having an impact. I'm feeling, so to share the impact of what's happening, um, it's not going to necessarily change her, but that's a place where we are having more distance in that. And if, you know, if she were saying that to me, I'd be like, oh, well, hmm, okay, what could I do? Because I don't necessarily want that distance. So, but it's giving kind of the impact of that. That's my I was, yeah. I was thinking, it's interesting, you know, I was just recently working with a couple who had, um, they were kind of going through some of this work and we were talking about the 555 and the, and the woman was like, we, we got on a call and she was like, he is not doing the 555. He <laughs> they're they're not, both on the call. They're right? both on the call. And I'm like, okay. Um, and he, and he, and he's like, well, wait a minute. I want to ask Susan, can, cause the rules of the game. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, okay, we're right into it. <laughs> and I said, the good side is, uh, you know, I, I am curious um, what you have to, what each of you has to say. And it ends up, he was mad because he's, well, she, he, he said, look, you never said that I had to, the rules don't say that I have to talk about the specific thing she wants me to talk about. I get to talk for my five minutes or not talk. I can sit there and not talk. And, and I know you, you need to tell her that's the right way to do it. <laughs> I was like, you know, <laughs> you know I, I was sort of like, well, for one, I, I actually do agree with you that, that uh, you don't, it's your five minutes. You, and that is sometimes difficult for someone who is wanting you to be a certain way, you know, but it's your five minutes. And 
then she has her five minutes. And then you actually could talk back and forth with each other. Um, however, I'm curious why you needed me to make it right. Like, and so, and then it ended up, he eventually, and she started, she goes, you see what I'm dealing with now, right? He's such a problem. <laughs> and then I just was like, okay, let's just wait. It's his five minutes. We're going to give him five minutes to just figure out. And at one point he, for the first time started to get, you know, he goes, this is not easy for me to do. And I am willing, but I don't, I think I'm just, I'm never going to be enough. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be enough. And it was such a powerful um, example. And she, you know, to her credit, sat there and did not say anything. She just listened. And she actually, you could tell, she, you know, kind of started to feel too like, oh, I get, I am really demanding you do this the way I want you to do it instead of giving you space, you know, and it was the most, it was an incredible session. And, and in the end, I think she really got, Oh, I'm actually, here's where I'm the problem. I'm trying to make you do intimacy or communication the way I like it. And you're actually over there trying to play the same game, but you, it would be sad to think you're never enough. And he realized it didn't come from her, but there were things she, but it was such a great example. And I remember myself thinking, this is one time where I'm really glad I just shut up (laughs) and let them, you know, like, because they really worked it out in a way that was quite enriching to see them each own what was happening with that space. And that's the thing. I think sometimes people, you know, want to make it look a certain way. Like, okay, if this couple was really good at communicating, they both be sharing deep feelings or rich conversation all the time. And that's not actually necessarily the way each person operates. So it does come down to how can you define yourself? Beautiful. Yeah. One last piece of advice for audience members or people watching that are dealing with some conflict right now in their life. Any last words of wisdom that we can impart to them? Well, you know, I, I coach uh, successful women who, who look on the outside like they're confident, they've got it all together, but really they're terrified and work to people please and make sure they say things right, they're driven, they're perfectionists. And really my piece of advice is to make yourself matter, to slow down mm-hmm. and actually feel your feet, come into your body and recognize, recognize, wait a minute, what is it that I want in this moment with this person? Rather than too often uh, women like me, <laughs> that's who I'm describing. I always say, like, oh. I'm only ever coaching myself. That's what I'm Exactly. Saying. It's like a big giant mirror that I'm, I'm coaching, but like rush in to try to fix it or make it better because they think they have to sacrifice themselves and they don't. You can actually show up and it, and still preserve the relationship, but have much more of a sense of yourself and that fulfillment inside. That would be my piece. Cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mine would be, you know, um, this comes from one of my kind of main things that I say to myself all the time. It's not what you do, it's what you do next. Mm-hmm. And for me, what that gave me permission to do was show up real. And because it's not, I will make mistakes, but if I actually realize it's not what I do, but what I do next, I always have a chance to recover. So I, if I'm present, I'll notice, oh, I just put my foot in my mouth. Mm, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, that's interesting. Now what am I gonna do? Um, I, ha- I have choice. So for me, that's been something I often will say to myself, especially in conflict, better to have erred by showing up 
than to have no one present and mm, so good. just react, just react. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And yeah, to sum up and, and my piece is like, yeah, be kinder to yourself, even yeah. in conflict and give yourself permission to be angry, to have feelings and, mm-hmm. and, and to feel safe enough to express them. So thank you yeah. so much guys. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I loved it. So great having you on. I love that we're doing a new format here where we're offering videos for interviews on YouTube. So I'm really just so grateful that you guys are one of those interviews and love seeing your gorgeous faces again. Thank you. Very fun. Very fun. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising everyone. For books and resources related to today's episode, make sure you head over to SheRisesPodcast.com and I'll see you there. If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure you tune back in next week when I dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be. And hey, if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you love it, head on over to iTunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show. 